All right, well, this morning, um, I wanted to start out, if you were to give a, a title to the message, it's not going to make any sense until we get towards the end, but it would be, life may not be what you expect when you're expecting. I mean, that's kind of where we're going um, today. And um, this week, it's funny, I stumbled onto this, I kind of already was rolling into what I was going to talk about. We're going to be in Luke 1 this morning, and um, I watched this show, 16 and Pregnant. Has anybody ever seen that show? It's on MTV. Yeah, Guilty Pleasures. I see them all over. Some of you are like, no, I watch the Jersey Shore, Jim Tan Laundry. That's kind of the way that I roll. Um, I know some of you are like, what is he talking about? But I know some of you. I can tell. You should see Aunt Lena's jacket. He looks like the situation. He's like, whoa, hey. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but anyway, I was watching this, this show, 16 and Pregnant. And it's, it's stirring up a lot of controversy right now um, be, just because of what it is. And MTV often does that. It's, it's sad, but MTV does a great job engaging the, the young culture, which the church does not. But they have this show, and it really pinpoints these girls that are 16 and they're pregnant, and it, it kind of shows you what their life is like. I mean, it's a documentary or a reality show, and it shows them from, the, from like, you know, when they find out, just their whole story. They interview them, and you kind of travel with them um, through them having the baby, and then they talk about what happens after that. And you see this theme as you watch. I was watching one the other day, and you see a girl, and you just see this, this big U-turn in their life or this big, you know, deviation. I mean, just an interruption like you've never seen and everything happens. It doesn't just shake the foundation of the girl where she's, you know, like, like I, I, ne- and I never thought I wouldn't go to college and she's all of a sudden going to have to live at home. I, I have to think about abortion. I have to think about adoption. I have to think about raising a child. All these things change, but not only that, it sends this ripple effect through her family and his family and everything changes in that moment so dramatically and there was a, a phrase that I, this one girl kept saying over and over again as I was watching this show. And she says, I never thought I'd. She just kept saying, I never thought I'd be at home. I never thought I'd have to take online classes and I wouldn't be able to go to the university. I got into an amazing school and I can't go. I never thought that my mom would be raising my first child. I mean, just over and over and over again, she's saying, I never thought that I'd be here. And her life is just interrupted and something, there's nothing that's, when, when you don't know that a baby's coming and a baby comes, that's more unexpected and can and rattle your cage. And for many of us this morning, we get to these places in life where things happen. We've had plans for our life. We have things that we want to happen and something's interrupted that. Something's happened that's just shaken the foundation of where we are. And a lot of us are looking up to God wondering, you know, why have, why has this happened? Why have I lost my black ninja? You know, but it gets much bigger than that. Some of us have, you know, kids that we've brought up and, and, and trained in the admonition of the Lord to sound religious and they're running the other direction. Or we've been, you know, we've, we've, we've been dating somebody that we've thought was the guy. And then all of a sudden everything begins to unravel or we've been married for five, 10, 15 years And the foundation of your marriage is falling apart. Or you've lost a child. Or you've gotten sick. But all along the way, all of us have had that experience, especially rolling into Christmas. It seems like it should be this joyous occasion. It's called Advent. It's it's the time we're supposed to expect the coming of our Lord. It's the season of expectation. But 
Depression's the highest it ever is through the holidays. More people are depressed and lonely over the holidays. Suicide rate skyrockets in the holidays. It's because we, we sit there and we look at our lives and we see this place that we get to and we're like, this isn't what I planned on. I didn't plan on being here. This is not what I had set out to do when I began my life. When I made plans for myself, this isn't quite what it looked like. And I think about the Christmas season, and it's, I often think about the, the innocence of childhood and how that looks. You know, the way that we look at Christmas now as adults and the way that we looked at Christmas as, as, as kids, it's crazy. My kids are nuts at Christmas time. And we start to think about Christmas like Black Friday. We're like, oh gosh, i got to shop. And then... You know, with our kids, it's like, you know, we get past Labor Day and they're already like making lists. They're like ordering the toy catalog. You know, Jack, he's really analytical, my son, my oldest son. And he's like making lists and he's got like 150 things on it. He's like categorizing. He's like, yeah, this deal needs to go up here. I got to find my top three because I've checked mom and dad's bank balance. and I know we can't afford that one. We're going to have to ask Mimi and Papa to get that one and BB and DC to get that one. And I got a birthday in February, so I can kind of hold that one back. I mean, he gets the whole thing really, really organized and put together. And he presents, and he kind of would call me and tell me, he's like, Dad, you know, Target's running a sale on that DS game that I've been wanting. Just want, I'm just saying. I mean, he, literally, he, does, he actually does that. That is no joke. And then Ella, she's like a big, you know, like the one big gift, you know. She doesn't, she's not like the 150. She's like one thing that's usually completely out of the question. I mean, like, absolutely, like, uh, Dad, I just want a horse. I know that it seems like a big deal, but I'll take care of it. Our yard, I know it's 10 by 12, and it doesn't going to have much room to run around, but I'll take care of it, I'll feed it, I'll clean up after it. And she will make her case for the horse. I love that she's a dreamer, but she absolutely goes nuts at Christmas time. And Abe just loves everything about Christmas. He doesn't, you don't have to give him much, a $2 train and a cardboard box, and he's pretty happy. Um, and he'll watch Charlie Brown Christmas like 900 times. Christmas time is here. I mean, he'll sing it all day long. He's like his mom. Just loves Christmas. Um, but something happens along the way. And what happens to Christmas? It all of a sudden turns into Clark Griswold. And we're like, you know, not wanting it anymore. It's Christmas vacation as adults. And there's this transition of what we used to expect during Christmas time and what happens. It's like we can't get to January quick enough. And our lives often, often get there. Well, this morning I wanted to dive into a story about another girl who starts out 16 and pregnant. And she can relate to the highs and lows of the unexpected. If you've got your Bible, if you want to turn to Luke 1, that's where we're going to be this morning. And then I'm going to hop around a little bit, and you can make notations along the way. Um, and in Luke 1, well, let me, let me pray real quick. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for who you are and what you've done. And God, I just pray that this morning, everything that's said and everything that's done here is all about you about how you rescue and how you redeem and that you are what we need. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, starting in verse 26. It's an amazing story. 16-year-old girl. Verse 26, it says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Well, let's just stop there. That's pretty amazing what just happened there. I mean, number one, I, you know, I was listening to a talk the other day. It wasn't like they, they sent just any old ordinary angel. You know, they didn't send, the, 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 the pastor I was listening to the other day said, so they didn't send Lulu. You know, they sent, you know, Jesus, God sent Gabriel 
who we hear about in the Old Testament, 700, 800 years before, Gabriel comes. And in my mind, and as we continue to read in verse 29, it says, But she was greatly troubled. In some translations it says she was afraid at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for I have found favor For you have found favor with God, and behold, you conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. See, the angel, I think sometimes we get this picture of, you know, the the little fat cherub kind of floating down into the scene and, you know, intervening. But, no, there was some fear on Mary's face. I mean, you hear that. And, And when angels encounter people in the Bible, you see that statement. Don't be afraid. And what that leads me to believe is that Angels looked a little bit different than my viewpoint. And I get more of a picture of, you know, the tips of the wings of, Ga- you know, Gabriel touching the edges of the, this room here at Belfort. And that just radiating like we can't possibly imagine. And he has to say, hey, I know I look amazing and crazy and wild, but, but everything is okay because you have the favor of God with you. And you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child will be born, and will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold your... Let me just stop there just for a second. I mean, that's crazy what he's saying to her. I mean, he's telling her, you are going to give birth to the Savior of the world. In her mind, she's thinking, okay, I'm going to give birth to a king. And he is going to reign. He's going to take over. He's going to crush Roman rule. He's going to be on the throne of David. Not, not just for a, you know, a few years, but forever. The kingdom will never end. I mean, this is an unexpected thing, but I think at this point she's beginning to realize the gravity of the situation and she's getting pretty excited about it. She's getting pretty excited about this possibility. And another note, just, just looking at this idea, and just this could be a sermon all to itself and I'm not going to go there, but the angel answered her in verse 35 and it says, the, Spirit will come up, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born and will be called Holy. I mean, that's crazy that the Holy Spirit was on the scene first. Jesus wouldn't be around if the Holy Spirit hadn't come. If the power of God hadn't come in the form of the Holy Spirit, that's where the conception happened. It's not that one's greater than the other, but one doesn't exist without the other. I think that's a whole other amazing thing. just points to what Antley was talking about. The power of God is so central here, even in the conception of Jesus. And the, the angel goes on in verse 36 and says, Behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. He says, For nothing will be impossible with God. In Mary's response, she says, I am the humble, I am the humble servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And the angel makes the point to say, Not only that, if you, if you were wondering, you know, your relative who is old as dirt has a child in her that's six months old. It's John the Baptist. That's crazy. And what do you think she does? Immediately, Mary is, you know, she's stoked. And all, you know, you, you fast forward a little bit. She's pregnant now with Jesus. And she's like, okay, I have got to go hang out with Elizabeth, my girlfriend, and get some talk on and talk about what's going on. She's pregnant. I'm pregnant. We've had some crazy things that have happened. 
And you can imagine the scene. She, she walks in the door of Elizabeth's house. I don't know if they bumped bellies or, or what they did at that point. But it says in, in Scripture, it says as soon as she walks in the room, that John the Baptist jumped in Elizabeth's belly. I mean, it probably wasn't just like a kick. Oh, the baby's kicking. It was, uh, it, there's exclamation points all over that passage if you go read it. It must have been something extraordinary because it says right when the baby jumped that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's just crazy. It's crazy what happens. And Mary's like, I know this is amazing. She goes into this, Elizabeth goes into this tirade saying, I can't believe I'm in, in the presence of you and our Savior and just, you know, gushes. And Mary's like, I know, I know, I know. And I wrote a song about it. And immediately after that, Mary begins to sing this beautiful song about Jesus. You know, as, as, as interruptions go, this one was pretty exciting. This one was pr- pretty, pretty exciting. Mary's thoughts were of her son, who was to be king. And then we fast forward just a little bit in Luke 2, 25 through 35. And I'll kind of jump through some of this and paraphrase, but you can make some notes along the way and turn if you want. But in Luke 2, you see this place where they're bringing Jesus. Jesus is now is, is born and they're bringing Jesus to, be, to go through this, the purification rites um, that Jewish, the firstborn of the, the Jews would, would go through. And just happens to run into Simeon, who has been told his whole life that he wouldn't die before he saw the Messiah. So they're going to the temple, they run into Simeon, and they have this exchange. And Simeon is just overwhelmed with running into the Messiah, and knows immediately who he is and says all these amazing things. He says, For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, Now listen to this. This is where things turn a little bit. He says, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. So she's thinking, wait a second, this may not look quite like what I thought it's going to look like. He may not be the class favorite after all. And not only that, it looks like something is going to affect my relationship with Jesus. And it starts... If you fast forward even more into Luke 2, 43 through 51. I mean, this is kind of a funny story, you know, in some ways. Because they're, they're going to, um, they're headed to Jerusalem for a festival, for a feast, for Passover. Um, Jesus, um, Mary, and Joseph. He's a, he's a young boy. And they go there for the festival and they, they leave. And they lose Jesus. They're like, they're a day in travel. Now, I'm, I'm a parent of three, and I'm, I, I'll admit our household is pretty chaotic, and we lose Abraham from time to time um, for, you know, an hour maybe. Where is he? Um, but, I mean, number one, Abraham is not Jesus. And we didn't travel for an entire day before we realized, where is Jesus? We have lost him. Did you imagine? That is crazy. Man, I always thought about that. I was like, what, a day long? I mean, what did it look like? Was there a lot of people around? Were they really, really distracted? Did they drink too much at the festival? I, I have no idea. So in verse 48, it says this. When his parents saw him, they, they come back. They, they go back. They're like, okay, I guess he's there. 
And they, they, they find him. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated, treated us like this? I mean, I would have been smacking him in the back of the head. Why did you treat us like this? And your father, your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. I love that it's just real. That's the way we would, we would be. We'd be like, where have you been? Running away in the mall. Why were, you searching for, why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? That's kind of the first piercing right there where Mary's beginning to realize something's different with this boy in my relationship with him. But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured these things in her heart. So that's, that kind of is the first realization, kind of a wake-up call for Mary. Not, you know, not only was Jesus born in a barn and not in a palace with a golden fleece diaper, but she's starting to realize there's a lot more that's going to be different here. And then we look at this passage in John 2, 1 through 4, as Jesus has grown. He begins his public ministry. And I know Mary all along the way probably realized there was something different in this, the way that our life was going to look. I mean, she was giving birth to a king, one that was going to take over the reign of Israel, the throne of David forever and ever and ever and ever. And he becomes the son of a carpenter. And I could imagine Mary, when people came in to buy a chair or, you know, a table, and they don't even make eye contact with Jesus. And they're like, hey, can you kind of sand this corner a little bit more? And she's wanting to shake him and say, do you realize he is the son of God? I mean, could you imagine? Things were a little bit different than Mary had expected. And then on this day, in John 2, 1 through 4, it says this. It says, on the third day, a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. And Jesus' mother was there. And this is the story of the wedding feast. They'd run out of wine. They were partying like we were the other night, the OCC dance party. And they ran out of wine. And Mary, you know, kind of freaks out and, and, and says, okay, I know somebody who can take care of this. It's Jesus. So she goes to him. And this is, this is kind of the exchange. On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. And Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. And when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. And this is his response to her. Dear woman... Why do you involve me? I mean, that's a, that's a whole different thing. That's not a, a mother-son exchange if, if, if ones that I'm familiar with. My dad would have, you know, punched me. He says, my time is not yet coming. In the King James Virgin, Version, it says this. It says, woman, what have I to do with thee? I mean, that is, talk about piercing you. You know, when Simeon says that she's going to feel piercings, She's feeling something, and things are definitely turning out different than she expected. And then as we fast forward and we look at the cross, there's a, there's a few other examples I'm going to hop over, but if we fast forward and we look at the cross, this exchange right here is incredible. It's John 19, 25 through 27. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved, I love that John always refers to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. (laughs) They were standing there and he said to his mother, Dear woman, again, not calling her mother, here is your son, saying to her, John is now your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother, From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. It was Jesus kind of handing her off in a way. I 
It's just so many unexpected things. Mary had a picture. Even though there was an interruption in the beginning, it was a pretty amazing interruption. You know, she was going to have a life with Joseph and they were going to have kids and all of a sudden it's, okay, we're going to have the Son of God. Sounds like a pretty good deal. Pretty good interruption. But then all along the way, the thing that she thought in her mind that was going to happen had to look different as she's standing before her son who's beaten and battered, had been you know, unrecognizable and she's standing before him thinking, I thought the rain was going to last forever and ever and ever. And now you're handing me over to your friend. Things had changed in a way that she couldn't possibly fathom. And for you and for me, as we look at our lives and we get to places in our lives where we're looking at what's happened, the devastation, or just thinking, this isn't what I planned on doing. This isn't where I planned on being in 2010. This is not what my life was supposed to look like. And we're desperate for God to speak and to say something and to, to, to tell us, hey, you know, when is this going to get better? When is this going to change? What's going to happen to make this different? So unexpected, the life of Mary. Maybe you've done something for God and now you expect something from Him and it just hasn't happened. The interesting thing about Mary and what we see here in the end of the story is that Jesus knew something. He knew something all along. His plan never changed. Nothing ever changed with with what God intended to do. Nothing ever changed. Everything was as it was. If we go back and we look at, at at the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament, it is crazy to see the accuracy of the prophecy, saying that he would be born to a virgin, he would be beaten, he'd be beaten unrecognizable that people would reject him all through Isaiah. Everything that he said was going to happen, happened. And Jesus knew all along in all those exchanges, and every time he encountered her and she felt something bad, Jesus was thinking to, to himself, you don't need a son. You need a savior. And we're going to transition you from being a mother to a daughter. And that's the experience that Mary went through. Is she had transitioned in those moments. And I love the, the story of the black ninja because a lot of times I think we feel like God's going to come in and he's going to swoop in and he's going to solve our problems. And God's trying to tell us, look, there's something bigger going on. There's something more massive going on. And there's something else you need than the thing that you think that you need. She was wanting to temporarily be a mother. And God was saying, you are going to be eternally an adopted daughter of the Most High to the praise of His glorious grace. And that's what He wants for you and for me. He wants to wrap us up. We think we're supposed to hold. And He wants to hold. He wants to cradle. He wants to hold us in the moments when we absolutely have no idea And that's what he's reaching out for this morning as we head towards a season of expectation of Advent. That's what it means looking forward to the horizon of Jesus coming again and rescuing and redeeming. What you and I need is not the thing that we think we need. God's saying with absolute authority that you need a Savior, that you need a Redeemer, you need a Rescuer, 
in a way that you cannot possibly imagine. Let's pray.